0: hello and welcome to anti-culture the cultural podcast that seeks to re-establish the north american concept of culture by instead focusing on the stories of the individuals around us i'm your culturally ambiguous and culturally mixed host josiah synonym and this mini-series is focusing on the canadian province of alberta as an example of a mosaic society thank you for listening to episode three Today's episode is a bit of a standalone episode. Yes, I am interviewing an Albertan, and yes, we are talking about culture and perception, but we're taking it a bit of a different direction this week. The individual I'm interviewing is actually a family member of mine, who, to a lot of people, would be considered the image of the Albertan stereotype, and he's proud of it. He tells me in this interview he's getting a wild rose tattoo soon, which is our provincial flower. And he has some opinions that might rub people the wrong way. But to me, maybe because he's family, even though I don't agree with everything he's saying, I wanted to give him a platform. His insight is actually a lot of what inspired this podcast to begin with. Why do some people feel so strongly that there's an Albertan way of life, a sense of needing to fit in or otherwise get screwed over for lack of a more appropriate mantra that's sometimes stated. I wanted to know his opinion on things like First Nations people, city folk, and more. This idea of having an Albertan way of life has always made me curious, because I am city folk. I'm from Calgary, the biggest city in Alberta, I come from a mixed background, and his perspective was something that I can't necessarily fully relate to, but ironically, I am related to. I will get into more commentary later, I know that's not why you're here. So please sit back, relax, open your mind, and enjoy. As a note, there is an expletive in this particular episode, so if you're sensitive to language, if you're sensitive to cultural discussion that might not agree with you, definitely just be forewarned that will happen in this episode. But without further ado, we're going to get into the interview. So please welcome a family member of mine from Busby, Alberta, a ranching community north of Edmonton, Matthew Wisemantle.
1: My name is Matt, is Matt Right now I work as a laborer at a Ecoflex. I make rig mats so of recycled car tires. My parents are both long haul truck drivers and in January I'm going to school to be a heavy equipment operator.
0: I realize for a lot of you what Matthew just said is a little bit incomprehensible, but north of Edmonton, a lot of people in Alberta do labor jobs such as this one. If you're not from Alberta, This is part of what makes the quote-unquote stereotype of the Albertan way of life. It's pretty amazing that I'm related to someone like this.
1: Busby is a small town just north of Edmonton. It's a farming community. you got the best fire department, which four of my family members are active members on, in Westlaw County. It's a small community. The town itself doesn't even have 100 people, I think there's. Oh, wow. 85, 95, it's Only four real buildings, or five. There's the fire hall. There's the elementary school, which I went to. Oh, yeah. There's the store and the bar.
0: Crazy. Is uh how yeah. close is Busby to Westlock? Because I know we used to go there sometimes. Are they? Yeah, they... I
1: went to high school in Westlock. It's about a half-hour drive.
0: Okay, and Westlock's probably the next biggest town then. Yeah. Okay. In case you're wondering, I have visited Matt and his family in Busby quite a few times, but the town we're referring to here, Westlock, is actually where my mom was born, and it's the next biggest town from Busby. For a while, when he was alive, my great grandpa also lived here, and we would spend time in that town with him. My memories of it are slightly hard to put into words. Busby is definitely tiny, but the property that Matt and his family live on is kind of charming. We would go during holidays, usually, so the quietness of the snow on the road into this tiny town was peaceful. On their land, there were sometimes cows and pet dogs and cats. Matt and his brothers were always rambunctious and made us laugh with a lot of the things they got up to and the stories they told. Westlock, on the other hand, is synonymous to me of my great grandpa, the only one I've been alive to know. He was a man of humor and wit, always smiling, Kind of like me, but a little more smug. We didn't do much in Westlock. We usually watched shows with my great grandpa, and we would sometimes eat at the motel restaurant in town. At the time, I had no idea how people could stand living there, but there was something about it. So I guess growing up in that kind of place, um, I would imagine that, because obviously I'm from Calgary, so there's like a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of people that move here, there's a lot of diversity, there's a lot of different lifestyle. Um, but for you growing up in a place like Busby, I imagine that you feel a really strong sense of being Albertan because you're like from there, you, you know, you work labor job and you're up North and do you feel like you identify as being pretty strongly Albertan? Oh, a hundred
1: percent. Yeah. I'm getting a Albertan,
0: getting a wild rose tattoo on my forearm next month. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you have a lot of pride in being Albertan. Yes. Where do you think that pride comes from? What makes you proud to be at Albertan specifically? Um Well because it just resembles a group of strong people. We've
1: been through Mm. a lot of hard times with the floods down south by where you live. Yeah. The fires where you live, the Fort McMurray fire,
0: the Slave Lake fire. Yeah.
1: Well Fort McMurray Fort McMurray flood as well. Just a lot of strength and all that economy, crashing and stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you think there's a, we're a group of people that w- can withstand a lot of things? Yeah. Now, this is basic social studies, but there's definitely truth in identity forming when people experience hardship together. The events that Matt is referencing here are part of Alberta's recent history, and so it makes sense that maybe there's a sense of belonging or culture that is formed out of them. Wildfires and floods have struck our province over the past few summers, in both the North and the South, the cities and the smaller communities, the First Nations reservations and the farming towns. So maybe he's onto something here. Maybe we're united in this sense, in a more modern way that defines what Albertan culture is. If Albertan culture is truly a thing. It's funny that Matt mentions we're able to go through a lot of hardship together. In 2013, there were horrible floods that basically took over the entire of downtown Calgary from the Elbow and Bow Rivers and miraculously that same summer they were able to host the Stampede still which is a annual event that focuses on rodeo, chuck reagan races, the culture of the wild wild west which Calgary is known for. It's also become kind of a carnival that happens during the summer in the city. There's concerts and amusement park rides and cotton candy and all sorts of greasy food, and people from all over the world come to participate. And I definitely think it's a cultural pinnacle of my city, Calgary. The really cool thing about the year of the flood though was that everyone was sporting these shirts after there was a huge cleanup rally um, of the Stampede grounds, and the shirts read, hell or high water. And obviously the irony is because it was a flood, there was high water, but it gave people a sense of identity that we are a people, we are a city that is going to get through hell or high water because even this flood isn't going to stop us from putting on this show. Let's get back to the interview with Matt. And do you think that um, when people come to Alberta and they're not from here, what's kind of the first thing you'd want them to know about our culture? Um,
1: a lot of oil field stuff, a lot of oil field pride, especially with Fort McMurray. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know, a lot of strength (laughs) in the people, with the farmers, the oil field. Yeah, lots of Uh, hard workers. Yeah. And do you think it's difficult for people to find out or discover what Albertan culture is if they're not from here?
1: Uh, If you stick around long enough, it's easy to find out. Once you start to meet a few people, you go out and meet people. But if you just first come to Alberta, you're probably just thinking it's a bunch of dirty, (laughs) oil-money, rich people from Grand Prairie and Fort
0: McMurray. (laughs) You yourself, I guess, like, how would you... I don't know, let's say you had to... So, I don't know, think about, like, there's a culture like... uh, England or something where, you know, we have this image of people who like drink tea and like speak with an accent How do you think the outside world views Alberta? What do you think our stereotypes are?
1: I'd say our stereotype is a lot of heavy drinking, a lot of oil field money and a lot of tobacco use such as cigarettes and chewing tobacco because 90% of my friends do either or
0: (laughs) do you think that's more in, like, a rural, rural part of Alberta?
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Okay, so I definitely did not think Matthew was going to answer that way, especially after we talked about hard work and getting through tough times together. The culture of Alberta is drinking and tobacco usage. One opinion that I thought was interesting. If you guys have a thought on that comment, please tweet me, at Josiah Podcast. I'd love to hear what you thought about that. And why do you think that culture is developed?
1: I don't know. I think it's just there's a difference, like especially when I grew up. Me and most of my friends growing up, there's a lot of difference between us and the city kids. Yeah. We'd call it because <laughs> I don't know. Ninety percent of us, we grow up on a farm. We got to do stuff. We got to wake up, do chores. Yeah. Four thirty in the morning, but a lot of more hard working right off the bat.
0: So do you feel like there's a different culture between, like, uh, the cities and then people who live in rural Alberta? Do you think they're both Albertan, or do you think one is more Albertan than the other?
1: I think they're both equally Albertan. You can't just split it up because someone lives in Edmonton or Calgary. And right. Say I live in Busby, we both live and breathe it. Most people still do something involved with the oil field or yeah, even something involved with farming or something like that.
0: Admittedly, I'm not in either of these fields, oil or farming, but I can definitely appreciate Matt's opinion of him sensing that that is what Albertan culture is, because that's what he's used to. It's interesting to think of my interviews with Kayla and Tahila and how they both made the same comment about hard work being a part of our culture. Kayla likely relates more to Matt coming from a labor-based economy, but at the same time, there is a common thread that's starting to form. Do you think is there like a potential do you think now with uh i don't know a lot more urbanization and kind of like there's been some dips in the oil industry and obviously both calgary and edmonton are growing do you think there's a fear of that hard-working albertan culture being lost i don't
1: think so if it is it's not going to be anytime soon because There's still a lot of rural land, especially if you go up north more. Yeah, Just uh, north of Westlock there, there's a small community. It's called Flatbush. It's going to be pretty hard to urbanize something like that. It's got (laughs) a lot of big valleys, lots of swamp land, hunting land, farming land.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a, a good thing that we have to hold on to.
1: Yeah.
0: This is something that I love about Alberta how much wilderness there is and how much untamed land there is. And I think a lot of people hold that in common when they think of our province. I actually think it's a admired characteristic of Canada as an entire country. Being a bit more far removed from my settler side of the family, I'm always conscious of the fact that this beautiful land that we have is not our own. And I wanted to know Matt's perspective on the First Nations people, as there are reserves around his town. The last episode in this podcast will actually be with someone from the Siksika Nation, which is close to Calgary, and he has a very interesting perspective on Albertan culture. But for now, I wanted to hear from someone who came from Matthew's background. And this was fresh in my mind after talking to Tejila and how she said she found a lot of camaraderie with the First Nations people in Lac La Biche. Matthew's opinion is a little bit different, and it may be offensive to some people. And again, this is a particular point that I don't necessarily agree with Matthew at all on. But I thought it was interesting to hear his perspective candidly, and I hope that you can pay him respect for him speaking so openly about what his feelings are. And do you have lots of uh, do you have a lot of the native population near Busby, or is there not really much of that there?
1: Yeah, there's a native reserve just south. Uh, called the Alexander Reserve.
0: Okay. Do you have uh, yeah. any interactions with people from there?
1: Um. The only interactions I have with them are bad ones, so I don't
0: know how well it'd be to put on this. Well, yeah, I'd be interested to hear. Like, what? What do you think could help them uh, progress? Since for a lot of them, I mean, they're they're kind of limited to the reserves. Do you think that they should have more opportunity? Do you think? What do you think the issue is there?
1: I think the, uh, the issue with them is for one alcohol yes yeah. almost every interaction i have with them from the with natives from the alexander reserve it's a battle and at the bar mm. or say an event in busby yeah. where they just come and drink too much yeah but uh i think that like i know a few natives that not from the alexander but just you know i just know a few natives and they're really hard working, they work for their livings they yeah. work in the oil patch or do wildland firefighting, stuff like that. And they're doing really well off. I think it's just how you're raised by your parents and such. Yeah. You say you follow and you do what you're taught. So if you got a father that's a heavy drinker and he abuses your mother,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Your kids are
1: gonna follow. Or if he just lives on welfare and works two, three months out of the year, that's what you're going to follow, and that's what I think you're going to do. Right. Because that's all your thought.
0: Yeah, so it's almost like a vicious cycle.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that kind of like a culture that's kind of developing in Busby or with people that are working on those fields is getting into, you know, drinking and tobacco and stuff like that. There is some truth to that. And what do you think the difference is between that being a part of, I guess, white Albertan culture, and as opposed to that being a part of native Albertan culture.
1: Um, I don't know. It's just maybe, not trying to be racist, but maybe the yeah. white people, they just work harder or something. Like, most of, almost everyone around here has got a family farm that they've been on for two or three at least generations. Right. So they're trying to work, create that, make that better.
0: I think I need to stop here. I know what Matt just said is something that probably made a lot of people upset, or possibly shocked. I didn't want to filter what he said, and I didn't want to argue with him in that moment though. I wanted to dig deeper to allow him to say what he meant. Obviously, hard work isn't an exclusively white man's thing. And obviously there isn't a correlation to drinking and tobacco being harmful only if you're not working as hard. Perhaps one of the wildest justifications that he turned to here was the comment about white people being on farms for two or three generations. Yes, two or three generations of farm families may have been on the territory, but that is not a comparison to the First Peoples at all. It's almost humorous that it took this direction. Two and three generations is not a comparison at all to the work and knowledge the First Peoples have put into this land generationally. I don't by any means want to throw my relative under the bus here, but I think this perspective is important to showcase. I hope there is more attention paid to the stories of the individuals and not the categories we put them in. I actually did some research into the reserve he mentioned, the Alexander, and it is not the most encouraging. One point that Matthew made that did resonate with me is his commentary on how learned behavior continues. It breaks my heart thinking about the state of certain reservations in our province. Their lives follow after a foundation of abuse and assimilation that broke an entire generation of their society. The Alexander Reserve specifically has gone through this cycle itself, most recently having a chief re-elected that has multiple allegations of sexual abuse. The community was shocked at the results of the election and many protested his staying in power. I felt so sad seeing the pictures of the young generation on this reserve protesting. There's obviously a lot of pain and loss here, and it is not a solution to the problem to just label this place as hopeless or lost in alcoholism. This issue is obviously a huge one to tackle, and I could create a whole separate podcast series on it. But the tricky thing with how native reservations are set up in our province is that they are fairly autonomous. There's little intercession from the provincial government, usually just collaboration and some idea forming. From there, the reserves have their own governance. As a result, there's quite a range of living conditions and social conditions throughout. And unfortunately, the Alexander Reserve is one that is plagued with a lot of hurt. Matt's perspective, even though he clarified he didn't want to be racist, is something he's saying from his experience. He's seeing the brokenness in action in his community. And being raised in a culture that values hard work and working the land, it's hard for him to justify the actions of the experiences he's had without drawing the conclusion that, hey, I don't have these problems because I'm working hard. What's missing is a starkly different history that Matt has never experienced, that people on the Alexander Reserve have. Only if he decides to reach out and hear from his neighbors on the Reserve, can he begin to develop a deeper understanding of the roots of the issue he's seeing moving forward with your life and kind of how you're developing uh your dreams um obviously you want to stay in alberta you have it in your blood you're going to get the wild rose tattoo um how do you think that you can improve alberta as a province or what do you want to do to improve it if that's something you've thought about uh i don't know
1: if i could do anything but i'd like the economy to grow yeah oil up over 50 bucks a barrel Uh Part of it, I think, is Rachel Notley when she doesn't let pipelines in, like,
0: yeah,
1: or stuff like that.
0: How do you feel about people that maybe don't understand the importance of the economy here and people who would just say, like, oh, yeah, that was a good thing because we need to protect the environment or something like that?
1: Uh, they don't know what's going on up north. Like, I know a couple of superintendents up in Fort McMurray and what they're doing now, it's extremely clean. They do lots of ran- land reclamation, like, haunting on old lease sites and, all it is is a hundred feet of bush, beat around it for fire protection, oil protection, stuff like that. And it's one little wellhead. Yeah, that's it. Huge. Like we don't do very many strip mines anymore. Yeah, they do one or two spots and they bury it back up, let it grow over again. So the
0: dirty oil stereotype, I think that's more so back in the eighties and seventies, right? When people just didn't
1: give a didn't give a shit.
0: Yeah. What Matt is addressing here is a major issue for a lot of Albertans right now, particularly someone like Matt, who depends on the economy of the province to maintain his sense of identity and purpose here. I think he wants people to know that this aspect of the stereotype isn't true. And I think it's fair to give him space to say this because this is a major part of his livelihood and truthfully, his culture. For those who don't know, there's a huge concern about expanding the so-called Trans Mountain Pipeline, which carries oil from Alberta to the west coast of British Columbia. Beyond controversy surrounding economics, the main issue people have is the enroaching on First Nations territory, but also environmental concerns. The benefits for Albertans, however, particularly those in the oil industry, would be great. I think there's a general understanding about how people from Matt's area of Alberta feel, but I thought it would be good to highlight someone who experiences it firsthand. Part of what he's saying is true. Alberta actually has made its oil industry quite clean compared to a lot of the world, and there's a lot of regrowth and environmental aspects that are taken into account nowadays. But on the other hand, there's a lot of deeper issues here, such as the prioritization of the economy over the significance of the land the First Peoples are on. Where do you stand on this issue? If you've only heard of it now, I would encourage you to look it up. Ironically, in Westlock earlier this week, the leader of Alberta's UCP government, Jason Kenney, was in town for a party fundraiser. He was actually quoted as saying, I must confess, I'm always a bit nervous when I come up to Westlock. I thought this was pretty funny since he's very much in favor of the pipeline and a lot of people in that region would likely support a leader like him. Even still, life is a lot more black and white in the area where Matt is from. I hope I shed some light on this region I strangely have a connection to And I hope it piqued your understanding of the Alberta experience even more. As I've said in earlier episodes, I do want to do my best to not be biased as I approach these interviews, but rather give people a platform that they wouldn't otherwise have without judgment. The next couple weeks of this show are featuring some truly incredible guests and I'm very excited to share them with you. Guests include a Franco-Albertan, which is a very small community of Albertans that a lot of people don't even know exist and also a member of the Blackfoot Confederacy from the Siksika Nation, who will really paint a unique picture of this land for us that may just flip everything we're talking about on its head. Please share your thoughts on this episode with me on the Facebook page or by tweeting me at Josiah Podcast. I know this episode is a little bit shorter than our usual episodes, But I wanted to kind of make this a bit of a standalone and talk about some current issues in Alberta. Thank you so much for listening again and exploring more about this wacky and widespread province we call Alberta. I'm looking forward to sharing more with you next week on Anticulture.